Welcome to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by ConvertBox. ConvertBox is your best solution to not only generate consistent leads from your website, but also to effectively engage, segment, and interact with your website visitors. Purchase ConvertBox today, show proof, and get the ConvertBox, the key to lead generation action plan, for free. Visit vacationrentalformula.com forward slash ConvertBox for more information. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Today we're talking about investment in short-term rentals. And my guest is Rebecca Converti from Home Slice Stays in Scottsdale, Arizona. So she's going to tell us about what we should be investing in, what we should be avoiding, and give us some tips on how best to do it. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information, and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, hugely delighted to be back with you once again. And today we are talking about investment in short-term rentals. And it's interesting because we are in a period of owner acquisition at the moment in our property management company. We are hearing a lot from people who are out there looking for homes to buy. And it's an incredibly hot market. I'll just give you one example that one of the properties that's been in our management program for about seven years recently went up for sale and it was listed at $385,000. That's Canadian dollars, which I thought was incredibly reasonable for a three-bedroom cottage on a beautiful piece of land in eastern Ontario. And it went, uh, we, we heard from the owner that it had gone on the market, on the MLS on Saturday. And by Tuesday, it had been sold for 450. And, I, and I'm thinking still that 450 didn't seem a lot. But however, I then heard from another person who was looking to buy a property. He was looking at a $1.4 million property on a really lovely lake. I mean, beautiful property, gorgeous lake and asking about investment and the rental potential for it. And it was interesting, having seen this smaller one go up and then looking at the possible return on a $1.3 million property, it, was, it may have been one point, it was between 1.3 and 1.4. And I was able to go back to him and say, you know, you'd be better off looking for three properties at around about $400,000 than one at 1.3 to 1.4 million because in our area the sweet spot property is a three bedroom two bathroom your five bedroom three bathroom 1.4 million dollar property is going to get really good occupancy during the summer at a super rental rate but once you get into the low season and the inventory is you know the supply is high and the demand is is lower and this coronavirus bubble is not going to go on forever. So I know that over a period of time, a couple of years maybe, we're going to find that we've gone back to a situation where supply 
certainly out of season is so far outweighing demand because everybody that's buying properties now is going to be wanting to rent them. And there is going to be a sort of race for the bottom. So my advice to that particular person was to perhaps you know really look at coming down on the price he was going to pay for a property, buying something a little bit smaller, maybe on a smaller lake, because the return is going to be so much better from a rental perspective. So I don't consider myself to be an expert whatsoever in the investment market. I have bought seven properties. We've rented out six of them, finally living now in the seventh. And and I am sort of out of that market right now. But I do keep a close eye on what's what's going on in our particular market. But I wanted to talk to somebody who is perhaps, you know, more savvy from the financial perspective, who is somebody who has helped people out along the way buying multiple properties rather than just simply investing in one that's perhaps you're going to be using for for their own purposes and renting out when it's not in use, which to some degree is perhaps not, it's not a conventional investment, an investment vehicle. So I met Rebecca Converti from Home Slice Days recently and heard her talking about investment and it really grabbed me how savvy she was. So I thought I would bring her along and talk about this topic because, you know, even if you've just got the one property or you've got a couple of properties and have no intention right now of buying any more in the future, if you're anything like me, you know, the urge comes upon you just out of the blue. You see something out there that's for sale and you think, I've got to have this. Well, Rebecca's going to talk about whether you should be giving in to those knee-jerk urges or not. And she's going to give us a few strategic tips for those of you who might be thinking that this is the right time to invest in a short-term rental home and answering a lot of other questions. So without further ado, let's move on over and talk to Rebecca Converti. Well, hello and welcome. And I am so pleased to have with me today, Rebecca Converti from Home Slice Vacation. Is it Home Slice Vacation Stays? Home Slice Vacation Homes? Home Slice Stays. Home Slice Stays. Wonderful. Well, we're going to have a, we'll we'll have a chat in a minute about what Home Slice Stays is, but uh, thanks so much for joining me, Rebecca. I mean, we met really recently and we were talking about investment and that's what got to me. And I thought I've got to have Rebecca on the show to share some of this amazing knowledge with our audience. So thanks so much for, for joining me. It's lovely to have you here. Oh, thank you, Heather. It is absolutely my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. I love being able to spread good knowledge, right? We get lots of good information out there. And I mean, really, that's both of our passion, right? We love education. We love being able to uh, give people good information. And so I love that we can do that together. That's just a wonderful opportunity. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I know when I started in the business, which is is far too many years, far more years than I care to remember now, there was nothing. Nobody was out there teaching anything. There was no help. Everybody was, if anybody had knowledge, they were not sharing it with anybody. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that over the past 20 years, everything has changed. People have become far more sharing and willing to, willing to talk about what they do and to offer help and advice and recommendation. And that's what I heard from you. You seem to be the sort of person who wants to share the love. So... 
here we go. Yeah, well, I would say this. My motto is uh, when we all win, we all win. And that's just the way that it is. And I think a lot more people recognize that, that when we all rise together and it works, right? Much better when sharing happens. Well, I I always ask, you know, everybody who comes on the show, because I'm so interested as to, because nobody gets in this business because they leave college and go, oh, I'm going to buy a vacation rental and that's going to be my career. We all get into it in in different ways. And, you know, it's often for people, you know, they decide to buy a home and then it, it just grows into something way, way beyond what they expected in the first place. So I'm asking you the question, what got you into this business? What's your backstory? Yeah, so that one's fun and um, means a whole lot to me. So my my backstory, I did start out in real estate. Um, I kind of got my feet a little bit wet on the mortgage side. And my grandfather calls me up one day and he goes, honey, would you like to learn how to do fix and flips? It's like, uh yes, of course I would like to learn how to do fix and flips. He goes, well, I got an idea. And I think we should do this together. He goes, I'll pay for the education. We'll start a company and we're going to do fix and flips. <laughs> I was like, okay, I will be there. And so at the time I was, uh, so let's see, 28 years old at the time and just trying to, had recently divorced, had a little girl who was three years old and was trying to figure out how to make the single mom thing work. And it was the perfect opportunity and he, you know, he came to me and he goes, all right. He goes, you're going to be my legacy moving forward. And I, you know, every real estate conference you ever go to, they ask that question, well, what's your why? And I was like, not letting my grandfather down. Like that was my why. Like, I don't want to fail my family. <laughs> so that became actually huge incentive to keep going. Because I think what happens is that when we're doing this, we, you know, some things work, some things don't. Um, there's some, uh, there's trial and error and everything. And it's a lot of hard work at the end of the day. I mean, figuring out what's going to work takes a lot of uh, gumption and just stick-to-itiveness to keep going. And uh, that you have to have a good reason to do that. And so having having my grandfather beside me became that very, very, very good reason. <laughs> I think that's, that's wonderful. So you fixed and flipped. Yes. And, and then what? So um, I was working with wholesalers in different parts of the country and was doing fix and flips from different sides of the country simultaneously. And that became a lot of work. And I realized, you know, if I'm going to do this, I want to go commercial. Those paychecks look a lot bigger. (laughs) So I I looked for someone who was teaching in that area, um, found Dave Lindahl's group out of, um, they're on the East Coast um, and kind of Baltimore area, I think. And that got me going in that direction and started working with some other people um, who were doing the same thing, repositioning hotels. I mean, not hotels, apartments. And um, and so we started looking at different uh, locations in the country and found that Charlotte, North Carolina was one of the best. And I already had boots on the ground there because I was doing fix and flips. And so we called up my broker and I was like, hey, what do you have that's a really good deal that's going to work for this? And so he showed us all sorts of great properties. We we took a good look at the city plans, got a good understanding of what was going on. And then he said, hey, I got this pocket deal. It's 14 and a half acres of lakefront. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it needs some work. It's a marina and campground. And uh, you should look at it. And so we looked at it as a development. We looked at it as uh, all sorts of different things. And because of a lot 
of um, barriers by the city of what could be done with this property, we decided keeping it what it was and elevating it was the best option. And so we elevated it. So we turned it from a old rundown campground that had RVs that were so old, we had to literally remove them with a crate, like come in and remove because they'd been there for 15 to 20 years, hadn't moved in that amount of time, can only imagine, and replace them with little tiny houses that look like, you know, just the cabins, right? So they're white, you know, beautiful interiors with marble countertops and these beautiful little 300 square foot cabins that we went from being, you know, 400 a space for the month that we were making off of the RVs to last I checked at 250 a night. Mm -hmm. So nice, nice difference in what we were making. So, uh, but yeah, we turned it into a glamorous camping resort. I know some people have heard of glamping before, but pretty much that's your tiny houses that look like cabins or it's little tiny cabin or cute cabins that are redone. Most of the time it's your tents or your yurts. um, And now pine cone, pine tree, you know, uh, tree houses and all sorts of stuff have become the, the, next way for everyone to get on the real outdoors and enjoy it so well they're all short-term rentals you know whether whether it's a 300 square foot tiny home or a 10 bedroom mansion it's it's a short-term rental Uh, you know treated much the same in terms of you know you know what your average nightly rate is and you know what your rev par is and you know what your demographic is and you market to them accordingly so it, it, it's really no difference we tend to treat them all exactly the same you know whether it's I mean because to me and I want I want you to agree with this that we can have luxury at every single level yes can have luxury at 300 yes. Yes, absolutely. And luxury is a feeling, right? We really have to be clear on that. Luxury is a feeling. I have seen $2 million homes that don't feel luxury. Mm -hmm. And I have seen one bedroom studios that feel luxury, right? It's really about staying active with what's considered luxury right now. And we have beautiful things like Instagram and luxury magazines and HGTV to tell us what people think luxury is right now, right? Mm -hmm. We have all these wonderful ways of being able to see that. So it's really interesting what gets created because I think that that is a fairly broad term, but how it feels is pretty, very, it's very specific, right? How it feels is, is pretty much the same every time. Because I, I sometimes have owners come to me and say, you know, well, I've got this small cabin. It's on a beautiful lake. It's got gorgeous waterfront, but it's not luxury by any means. And I will work with them and just go through, you know, what they, what luxury feels to them and what luxury may feel to guests coming in. And quite often the core of the property remains the same. And we put in the best beds and the best mattresses and the best bedding and Yes. Maybe change the kitchen and put some really nice countertops in. And then they're coming back in and going, wow, now this is luxury. And I never thought I would, they never thought they'd ever see the day that they would call their tiny two bedroom cabin a luxury accommodation. Yeah. It's all about the design. It's all about working with what you have and then going, okay, how do we elevate it? Right. You just elevate what's already there. 
And there's, there are certain things you got to get rid of sometimes. Other times it's just some amazing paint jobs and some beautiful, you know, floral and some wonderful window treatments and some beautiful beds. Really that white bedding with that, that hotel feel makes such a big difference. And I talk to owners about this all the time. I'm like, don't use your old bedding. Don't use grandma's bedding. Please, let's go buy white duvets with white covers. It won't cost that much per bedroom, but the feeling that people get, you know, they're comparing it to hotel. That's what they're comparing it to. Well, be comparable to a hotel. And what's a luxury hotel room? A luxury hotel room has a kitchen. A luxury hotel room has a living space. A luxury hotel room has the same thing your home has. Right. That's, that's what they have. Right. Your your luxury spaces have that. Well, making a home have all those things, plus some of the amenities like having a hot tub or pool or whatever those things are. Right. It elevates you to beyond what the hotels are. And now you can capture more. Originally, Airbnbs were about having an affordable option outside of a hotel. Right. It started out as like, oh, well, you can stay in an Airbnb for cheaper than you can stay at a hotel. So stay here now. We're seeing that Airbnb is costing much more because it's a much nicer product and hotels are trying to compete with us. And so they created these new concepts to try to compete with us. I love that they're competing with us now. You know, the new uh, second home uh, is the new, I think, Hilton owned uh, concept where it's a direct competition with with Airbnbs. So it's interesting. Yes, vacation rentals instead of Airbnbs, but yes, vacation rentals. It's been interesting watching it over the years as as this has sort of flip flopped over from us being the poor cousins. Yes, yes. (laughs) To being the lords, which I I, I see as now, you know, we can say that we surpass hotels, which is lovely. So, Rebecca, you've built up the glamping location. What are you doing now in terms of helping people invest in properties? How do you identify? You found this spot, this rundown campground and marina, and we're able to turn it into something that is, uh, you know, highly desirable and raise (laughs) raise a rate substantially. How do you identify investment opportunities for your clients now? How do you help them find the right place? So finding the right place is starting with the right market, right? So right now I've gotten, uh, I spent a lot of years analyzing properties back when I was doing fix and flips, right? Which is what took me to different markets in the first place. And now I'm doing it from a vacation rental standpoint and trying to figure out, okay, what works for short term? You have to look at the areas that are most popular. Um, We see a lot of the traditional holiday locations have become much more popular year round now. They're they're popular all the time now because people need to go on holiday and get out. I was looking at statistics the other day and I found it really interesting. People aren't spending as much as on flying anymore. They're driving to the locations that they're going, but they're not spending less money on their vacation. They're still spending about $5,000 per vacation which I found really, really interesting. I'm like, oh, okay, good to know. Like we have these uh, vacation rentals that are, you know, doing well in all of these different locations. And it's insane. Some areas are being overrun. Sedona happens to be one of them here in Arizona. I mean, you can't live there (laughs) unless you're, you really can't afford to live there. The people that are staying there are um, primarily people that are vacationing there in these beautiful homes that are there. 
for most people, especially people that work there, they can't afford to rent there. So they all live outside of the city now, which is really interesting to see dynamics like that happening. Um, but I look for places that are doing well. Um, the last 12 months consistently, I look for the change that's happened um, since the COVID situation to say, okay, where, what are we seeing in our market? What are we seeing happening here? Is this having a huge effect negatively or positively and in what areas? And what we found is that the properties that are set up to have the feel of luxury, right? Once again, the property set up to have the feel of luxury are the ones that are performing best because people feel safe and safety is key right now. If you want to feel safe, you have to have a clean environment that makes you feel secure. And the fact that these homes have their own air conditioning units and their own, you know, people are thinking about that, right? They're thinking about whether or not they're sharing airspace with someone else at this point, um, which is going to continue to be difficult for hotels, but we're seeing having a really positive effect. So yeah, so I start with where a place is doing well. And then we move to, okay, what pockets do these homes exist in and what can we buy for and then guarantee some good returns? So I've created some different price points to let people know, okay, this is, you know, if you're going to make this much money, this is the max you want to spend based on the comparable properties in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what I, I mentioned this in the uh, introduction that I did before this interview and said I was talking to a client recently who was looking at a $1.4 million home on a beautiful lake. And I said, you know, and, and we, we'd just seen one of our clients sell a home that rented wonderfully for $450,000. And I said, you need three of those, yeah. not one at $1.4 million. You're going to get a far better return for those three at four hundred thousand, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, even on 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 a smaller lake, because the, the just return is so much better. And I know his eyes were glittering at this beautiful, beautiful, yeah, one point four million dollar property, but it wasn't going to work for rental. And I think that's really is getting them in this mindset of saying, okay, you know, you've fallen in love with this property. Please don't. <laughs> Oh, oh, absolutely. It was really interesting. I had a client recently and right in line with what you're saying, Heather, he came to me and he goes, Hey, I want to buy a house, um, two, two and a half million dollars. I want to be able to spend a couple weeks a year there and I don't want to lose money. And I was like, uh, Oh, and I want it in Florida or Texas. I worked hard to try to find a property in that price range that was not going to lose money. Right. Because I was like, man, what does that even look like? So first I had to do a really detailed search of everything in the market and see what was making money that would even be close to, you know, it needs to make twenty five hundred dollars a night. Right. OK, well, what's making twenty five hundred to five thousand dollars a night? Right. We'll go find that first. OK. Is it a hotel? Right. <laughs> some of these properties, it's like, oh, well, yeah, these these hotels are making it. Oh, that's great. That's not going to help me out. It was extraordinarily hard to find anything. I did find a couple that I was like, okay, this might work. And I, I just kept trying to bring it down, but I kept showing the numbers, right? I was like, okay, well, here's the numbers. Well, here's the numbers. Finally, he comes back to me and goes, would you rather just buy three houses for 500 grand? And I was like, yes, I would much rather buy three houses for 500 grand. Can we please do that? And so it helped to show by the numbers what the results were going to be. And that solved the problem, right? It was like, here's your numbers. Now, do you want these numbers over here, which has a return of investment around 7%? Or do you want these numbers over here, which has a return on investment closer to 15 to 20%? How would you like to spend your money today? And he came to the conclusion that he didn't care whether or not he ever stayed there. He would rather have the higher return on investment. He said, pay for a place for two weeks a year that looks beautiful. Right. 
pay for it. That's fine. You're going to make great money off of these. You can go make, you can go spend that money on that, you know, couple weeks that you want to stay somewhere and you'll still make more money than if you were trying to have it as a vacation rental all the time. So I, I love these at 400,000 because that's my number in pretty much every market. That $400,000 number works if you're in a good market mm-hmm. um, because you can just, you can bank that you're going to be able to make money at a price that most people can afford. Most people can afford $250 a night for a vacation rental. And I'm seeing that's fairly consistent. The majority of your product is going to be $250 a night. And then you're going to have some $350 and some $500 and some people in the $1,500 range. But what I found over most markets, that people don't pay more than $1,500 a night. They just don't. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with absolutely everything you're saying. But where do you find the data? So I use MashVisor. That's my okay. favorite tool. Uh, MashVisor is invented for investors by investors, um, and they actually focus on traditional rentals. Um, they they include Airbnb um, specifically for the financial data, but their focus is being able to give you the option, right? Which is going to make more sense. Here's the vacation rental side of it, and here's the traditional rental side of it, and now you can make a good decision. And I love their data because they're every single home on there that's listed. I can look month by month for 12 months and be able to know exactly how it performed. And I can find real comps. And one of the biggest challenges, you you know this, Heather, because you created a portfolio of something that's similar, right? You know what your comparable set is. You know what your comp set is. You know what the other properties are. You're already managing them and they're all in the same kind of area and they're on lakes, right? So on the water, this, this, and this, this is going to make this, right? You don't have to think twice about it. You already know those numbers. But when you're looking at a market that you're not familiar with, you need to be able to look at the comparable properties and see how they perform throughout the year. Are they only performing really well in maybe January, February, March? Or, or are they really, that's here, right? Or for you, it's what you said, July, August, right? July, August, yes. Yeah. yeah. So is that an anomaly you're seeing? What are the anomalies, right? If I can look at data that gives me month-by-month data on every single property that I'm looking at as a comparable, I'm going to be able to make a good decision. I'm going to be able to know, okay, this is what we're seeing as a trend. This is what the occupancy is going to change throughout the year. This is how the price per square, you know, price per night is going to change. And it doesn't give me only averages, so I can actually look at real comparables. Mm-hmm. That's required to be able to make good decisions. Yes, I, and I know. Looking back on on some of my investment decisions, it was it was really oh, I love that one. We'll buy. It. <laughs> no, that was it. Let's because I would come over from England on a buying trip and see half a dozen properties on you know flying on a Friday. See half a dozen properties on the Saturday. Put my offer in on the Saturday night. Head back off to England on the Sunday to be ready to come back over six weeks later to do to to do the prep. And you know, closing and prep in another weekend, so I could do buying and preparation in in two separate weekends. But I look back on it in horror because. But I, I guess you know at that time it was a different market though. But I'm I'm yeah. I'm now thinking I did no comparables because there weren't any. There actually weren't. You could not find data then, and now it's so different. You can find all the data that you you need. So talking about comparables. What makes one location stand out against another in a market of comparable properties? Um, 
So there's multiple things, multiple factors, right? The most important thing is just making sure that the occupancy and the income in a specific area, which we can get down to the neighborhood at this point, right? I, yeah. I've got the data that supports me, that gives me down to the neighborhood. That didn't exist before, right? So these wonderful tools that are available now make a tremendous difference on the power that the investor has to make a decision they can feel confident, you know, confident in. But the things that sell better than the rest are modern, right? Open spaces, lots of windows, feeling like it's got that luxury feel to it because it literally has got that luxury amenities to it. It's, it, you know, it's got the, um, it's got a lot of white. It's very um, bright. You know, you come in and you just feels clean and crisp. This is what we see in all the magazines. This is what we see on the TV shows, right? That is going to stand out. Why? It's already standing out, right? <laughs> it's not new. So having that feel um, for the house in general really makes a big difference. I've been talking to builders recently. I'm like, look, this is what I need you to put in here. Open up this entire wall and make a glass for me, please. You know, come on over here and, you know, make sure that the, the countertops are, are like a white marble or some sort of light color because the lighter colors catch your eye. Um, I, I, photographers know this, right? You go online and the photographs that are the brightest sell the most. Heck, even selling stuff on like a, a third party thing like Facebook uh, Marketplace, you want to make sure your, your, you know, your photos are nice and bright because people are attracted to bright. Right. And so we have to make sure that the space feels that way as well. Yeah. In interesting. Because so many properties I go into in our neck of the woods are dark because it would everything. I, I remember coming over from England years ago and it's like, oh, my gosh, all this pine. It's so beautiful. Pine floor, pine ceiling, pine walls, pine furniture. And then the furniture was all cranberry and green. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. along, alongside the moose prints and the loon prints. And now I, I, I the, the last property I had before I sold it, I stripped it entirely out, whitewashed it, walls, everything. Yeah. And yeah. it turned from this dark, not quite dingy place, but, you know, traditional, very traditional cottagey thing into a beach house, which yeah. is just something that's completely unknown up here and yeah. i could not believe we were able we were able to put 300 dollars a week more on the rental rate yes because the pictures just sold it yes absolutely um, yeah so yeah i get you on the open space the lots of windows the luxury feel great amenities and a lot of these things that you you can actually do you know it's it's that they're not set in stone when you buy the place it's not like weedy waterfront which we have so, sorry you can't change that but you can change this <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. It, it's also a green right like so in photography you really want to have a lot of color blue and green stand out tremendously we try to add as much blue as possible um in our arizona rentals because people are looking for blue here right <laughs> oh it's blue or green we're staying there because everything's rocks and brown including all the houses that are brown right it's a very brown space um and so we work hard to be able to overcome the stucco um <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it does make such a big difference to have those like aqua colors and, and, you know, to really look for things that you can add to the space and that can be decor. Uh, but right now I've got a, I've got an owner that he's, uh, he took out all the dead grass and he's putting in turf. I was like, thank you. I needed you to have turf because now the pictures will look stunning 24 seven. 
we do stuff like that all the time to create a space that feels warm and inviting and, and it doesn't feel as dead. Right. And the desert has a way of feeling that way. It just does. And so you want something to feel alive, which makes a big difference. So with prices on destination homes skyrocketing, I mean, they certainly are here. Uh, And I think I've heard this in many parts of the U.S. People are wanting to get out of the cities. They're buying in their thousands. What locations? Let's go from from the, you know, amenities. Let's look wider at uh, at locations. Where would you suggest people look since you look all over? Yeah, so, um, so I'll give you some of my little tips right now on places that are really, really hot. Joshua Tree, California. Oh, my goodness. That place, it's, the town is 7,000 people. It is a little town. It's uh, just outside of Palm Springs. Palm Springs is also doing well, by the way. I'll, you know, I'll put that, put a plug in for them. But Joshua Tree is just killing it. We have a four bedroom house over there. It's set up well. It's cute. You know, it's, it's, it's set up nicely. It's doing 1500 to $2,000 a night consistently. And, you know, I think the guy bought it for 500 grand. That's unheard of, right? So what Joshua Tree is producing right now is just amazing. Um, we're also seeing the same thing happen in Big Bear, California. That's another kind of outside area. I'm kind of focusing on the West Coast just because I know it. The beach towns on the East Coast are also doing really well, like Myrtle Beach and, you know, some of these other places um, in Virginia and then a little further south, like, um, in South Carolina, North Carolina, they're all doing really well on the beach because people want to get out, right? Like we just said, they're looking for these little hidden places to go away to. And so anything to feel like you can breathe, right? The cities don't feel like you can breathe. And so people want to go to places that can breathe. Now, what's really interesting is that like places like Scottsdale doing really well. One of the things you want to pay attention to is what are the city's rules about opening up right now? Can I go to a restaurant when I go there? Am I going to be able to go to a movie if I want to go see a movie? Will I be able to do anything that's local? That's a huge plus. So Scottsdale was the number one place to invest last year here in Arizona. It's, again, one of the top places to invest in the country. Austin, Texas is really well. Once again, another really hot market, though. So one of the things you have to be careful of is that the markets are so hot and people are buying cash right now because they want to get into these second homes. Well, that's hard to compete with. And until things kind of seem to go back to a little bit of normal, I think for some of us, we need to not invest for a little bit longer. There are going to be places that make sense. But unfortunately, we definitely have a problem with prices just being way too high to make sense financially. And you don't want to pay too much for a vacation. Really, you're just going to spend a bunch of money on it, managing it and operating it. And then you're not going to be happy because you bought it as an investment that's not doing very well. And vacation rental prices, what people are paying to stay stay in a short-term rental isn't going to change anytime soon. People aren't suddenly going to start spending more money. They're going to spend about what they do right now. We're, hotel prices haven't changed dramatically over the last 20 years. I mean, they, they've changed, but not, you know, insane amounts. They've changed incrementally. We're seeing the same thing in the short-term rental um, markets. These are going to change incrementally. So it's really important to buy right up front. That's really, really good advice. All, along the way, Rebecca, what mistakes do you see short-term rental investors making? Uh, aside from buying in a hot market <laughs> and buying overpriced property? 
That's that's a mistake I see all the time. I mean, I can make something bad look good and we can still make it make as much as it possibly can. Right. I, I would just be if you didn't buy right, but you know that it could do better than it is. Let us help you do that. It'll still perform as best as it's capable of performing with the right design. So I do want to say that there's a little bit of silver lining in that. Uh, but gosh, other than just buying in a hot market, buying too much, I think there's something shiny is really the challenge, right? People just spend too much in general because it's something shiny. Uh, that looks so pretty. I want to live there. Okay, well, that's not necessary for your vacation rental. It just needs to be nice enough for other people to want to stay there. Let's see, what other things? Buying in markets that really aren't that popular. Buying in markets where uh, jobs are going away, right? You need to be really careful about what's happening with the job market. Same way you would invest anywhere else. You need to spend time just kind of looking at what's happening locally. Don't buy in an area where the job market's not strong, right? Because people won't be coming there for other reasons besides vacation. That's mm-hmm. the other thing. Really important. You stay in a market. Now, Heather, you might not like this advice, <laughs> but it's what I, when I go and build a, a tiny house resort and I will do it again, I'm sure. It's really important that there's more than one reason people are coming there. It can't just be for vacation. They need to be coming there for other reasons like um, uh, corporate events and uh, local events that are happening in the area. We can make some money off of just the vacationers. But the reality is, is that that goes in waves. And it's nice to have a market where there's other pulls to the area. So unless you're close to a city or close to other things that are happening, right? And then that might keep pulling them in, or there's just a limited amount of availability in the area anyway. So you're always going to have more people wanting to come visit than there is availability, which is what happens like in like small towns or like in Joshua Tree, right? Where you're just not going to have that much inventory. So the amount of people that want to come is more than what's available. Um, But for the most part, it's important to have something in an area that can be stable no matter what. And then one of the rules of thumb that I give is that make sure it works as a long term stay as well. And a lot of times people, they just it's not set up where they can financially afford um, to keep it if for some reason it has to go to 30 day stays or longer. Um, And we saw during COVID that was a requirement. We had to do longer term stays and or those midterm stays is what you call them or uh, a corporate rental type of situation it's important to be able to to transfer back and forth without it killing you so yeah good uh, good good tips there so what are your best three strategic tips for someone uh, who, might, who might be thinking that this is a good time to invest and it depends on where you are it might be a good time um so we've talked about quite a few of them i would say my number one is know your comparables right know your comps know that you're actually making the same thing have you ever bought a house and remodeled it and realized it wasn't as nice as the comps and you couldn't get the same price for it (laughs) i've done that (laughs) and unfortunately it sucks when you do that and you realize oh well that's why they got that much money and i'm not going to be able to quite get as much for it it's the same way in the vacation rental market. Make sure that you're actually comparable. Make sure that you look like they do and you feel like they do. If your photography and your end result doesn't look and feel the way that that neighbor's property does, you're not going to perform as well. Just be real about that with yourself. 
Um, one of the strategic tips I have, uh, I don't know if how strategic it is, but it works every time. Put in a hot tub if you don't have a pool. Hot tubs work. Um, and if you have a pool in Arizona, make sure it's heated. Um, actually, most states. Heated pools make almost $1,000 a month, a month more. It doesn't matter what you have. You're going to make almost $1,000 a month more if you have a heated pool. So, And hot tubs are a key factor. I don't know what it is, but people just feel luxury when they see a hot tub. So. Interesting. We came, I mean, we, a lot of years ago, we'd come down to Sedona every, every year or two. And we always chose a property that had a hot tub. And then on one occasion, we stayed a week at this property. And then we realized at the end, we had not used the hot tub once, but we chose it because it had the hot tub. You know, I'm not, I mean, I have, a, I've, we've always had a hot tub at home. I like it, but I can go weeks without using the darn thing. So, but people see it and it's, it's this, Oh, I've got to have that. Perception, right? Perception is reality, whether or not we use it. If we perceive that something is a value, we will pay extra for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we, we do. I, I tell our owners this because, you know, we're in a July and August is our, are our main months. But if you want to rent outside of that time, you have to find something that has something extra because the, the supply just goes through the roof after September, October, and the demand goes way, way down because you really got to drag people out of Toronto to, to go to the country after the summer's over. So you've got to have something that's going to pull them in. And, and the hot tub is it. We say if, if, you're, if you want to rent in the winter, the two things you have to have is a hot tub and a source of open heat. Mm. So you know, a, a, an open source fireplace or something that looks beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That makes a lot of, well, cause it's romantic, right? And what gets us out to do stuff during the winter is that little spark of romance. Um, right. One of the things we would do in the wintertime, I found that we almost never mentioned them in the summertime, but in the wintertime was our sweetheart special. And that came with champagne and rose petals on the bed and, you know, your chocolates that are sitting there. That stuff's super popular in February, January, and December when people are looking to have that little romantic getaway. And so those were the add-ons during that time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, yeah, okay, number one, know your comps. Number two, put in a hot tub. Do you have a third one? Um, Don't bank on more than $1,500 a night ever. Don't, I mean, I don't care how much the property is. Don't bank on it being more than $1,500 a night, which means don't spend more than $1.2 million. Just so we all know what the other half of that is. <laughs> if you spend more than $1.2 million and you're banking on more than $1,500 a night, you're in trouble. Um, <laughs> that's a really good rule of thumb, though. You know, that that's it, it gets you out there looking at a property saying, okay, this is $1.4 million. Am I going to get this amount of money for it? And of course, you know, it's 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 not just how much per night; it's how many nights you're going to rent in that year as well. Absolutely, and you've got to look at the local to be able to see even what's possible, right? I mean, you gotta you gotta know that you're not gonna do a lot better than everyone else around you. You might, I, you know, you could do a lot worse if you price it wrong, um, but you're probably not gonna do a lot better. And don't bank on doing better than all your neighbors just because you're the hottest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, it's yeah. not a good idea. It's just not. You need to bank on doing as well as your really good neighbors if you're comparable. And if you make a little bit more, wonderful. Cherry on top. 
right? That's a cherry on top of the cake. It absolutely works, but don't bank on it. Um, dang, I was going to add one more. Now I can't think of what it was, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. We've got, uh, I've, I've squeezed a lot out of you. So. <laughs> So thank you for squeezing away. Go right. (laughs) Before we wrap up, tell us a bit about Home Slice States. Thank you so much. So I have this wonderful partner named Ellie Padgett. Um, She is a design. She's phenomenal at design. She's done all sorts of luxury, high-end luxury homes and apartments uh, and hotels concepts. And she just does a really, really, really great job. And she's been creating these different uh, places all over the country. She's designed well over 250 um, vacation rental properties. And we, we partnered up this year. Um, so we're working on building our own portfolio here in Arizona, as well as helping other people around the country buy right. And so we come in, we make sure you buy it right. We make sure you design it right. We make sure it gets managed right. And then we let you go from there. Um, sometimes we'll manage it for you. Depends on where it is. Otherwise, we're just going to make sure that you have the right people in place. We vet everybody for you from the beginning to end. Um, and make sure that you've got exactly the right product in the right location. And so we work with a lot of different investors to find the right properties. We're helping a couple different guys right now build, and I should say girls also, but uh, I do specifically have a couple guys we're working with to build a whole portfolio uh, for them of vacation rental homes. So well, it's sounds, like, sounds like the perfect team, perfect concept. And I, I, I really wish you well with it. And thank you so much for, for coming along and sharing all your knowledge. It's been a blast. Thank you, Heather. That was fun. I love your logo, by the way. That's so fun. Thank you, Rebecca. That was great. I learned a lot, actually. I, I just said after, after we'd finished recording and I was chatting to Rebecca and thinking, gosh, I wish I could go back 20 years, you know, to those, my heady days of of investing in in property and getting so excited um but i have to say i didn't i didn't do all the good stuff you know i I was falling in love with something and then just buying it so i think i would do it very very differently now and certainly now when i'm looking at the mls and our our realty sites and everything, of course, I, I've always done this and I see a property and I'm immediately converting it into a, a nightly rental rate. Now, how much could I rent this for per night? How many? And I know because I know my particular market. I know how many nights I would be able to rent a particular place in a particular location in Ontario. But if I was trying to buy somewhere in the US, say, or or maybe, you know, I, I, I'd thought at one time before, before COVID, that I might look at buying in the UK. But, uh, you know, pretty much priced out of the market in the UK now. And I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure with what's going on in the UK now. I'm not sure I really want to even consider that. But yes, talking to Rebecca got my investment juices all running again. So I may start, I may start looking, but maybe not until, not until next year. Let's see how things go. So many people have been buying in our market and I think all they need is one winter up here in cottage country and that'll be them done in and they'll be selling by the end of next year. So we shall, we shall watch this space. So thanks everybody for listening 
always a pleasure to have you here with me. And uh, just to let you know that we're, we're working on a new project at the moment that I'm really enjoying. And we are starting on our YouTube channel, a new section or a segment or whatever you want to call it called Virtual Vendor Showcase. Because, you know, like many of you, I see all these these new vendors coming up with new products and platforms and apps, etc. And I've done the demos, you know, I'll do the demos and I'll speak to the salespeople. But I still have that sort of feeling like, well, I don't know whether this is really right for me. I need to talk to somebody who's done it, uh, who's already using it. And we decided that in order to get around this, we'd start to interview the founders of some of these companies, but ask each founder to bring along one of their customers. So I could ask questions of both of them. And I can ask questions about from the person who founded it and say, why did you do this? What gap are you filling? You know, what are you fulfilling for your customers? And then I can also ask the customer or the client how they're using the product. You know, what, how is it benefiting them? How is it benefiting their guests perhaps? So that's something that's, that's coming up. Our first two that you'll be seeing very, very soon on the YouTube channel are for Touchstay, you know, my favorite, favorite platform and Vintori. And you know that I've interviewed Brooke Fouts a couple of times now about owner acquisition and Brooke and his team have been helping our company with our owner acquisition strategy. So I want to get him on the vendor showcase, not with me as a client, but with, with another one of his clients. So I can, you know, I can hear that somebody else is, is really using uh, Vintori's services and getting exactly the same benefits as I am out of it because, um, I, yeah, I've been pretty much blown away with what this team has done for us. So, you know, if, if you are a property manager and you are considering or if you need some help with your owner acquisition, then this is Vintori is definitely a good bet for you to have a look at. But that's that's something that's coming up. We are looking for suppliers who would like to take part in the vendor showcase. And uh, we're going to be bringing you as many as we possibly can over the next couple of months. So watch out for that. So now I'm going to head out for my afternoon walk and get some fresh air. So maybe you are out there right at this moment, out walking, getting some fresh air and listening to this. So thank you so much for joining me. Anyway, thank you for joining me wherever you are. And I look forward to being with you again soon. Thank you so much for listening. Just a reminder, this episode was brought to you by ConvertBox, the new and easy, more intelligent way to convert your website visitors. Launch personalized offers, lead capture forms, and segmentation funnels to the right visitors at the right time with the easiest, most powerful on-site engagement platform. Visit vacationrentalformula.com forward slash ConvertBox for more information. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.